happy birthday! No, it's not my birthday, but I do wish you a happy birthday if it's yours. Welcome to episode 99. Nope, that's right. It's episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint. If you've been listening for a long time, if you've been listening for a short period of time, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening. And if you're new around here, thank you so much for tuning in. This is, of course, episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint. That's right, we finally made it to 100 episodes. It's been a while. It's certainly been uh, longer than, uh, you know, uh, exactly 100 weeks or anything like that. Of course, we transition to an every other week uh, format usually in the off-season, and on top of that, of course, we haven't always stuck with the cadence of once every week or once every two weeks, and of course, there is also usually a hiatus around the holiday season and in the summertime when I myself go on vacation, but regardless, we're here, 100 episodes in, and wow, it feels pretty crazy to be here, that's for sure. I've spent a lot of time in front of this microphone just talking to myself and on my own, but here we are. Episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new around here, allow me to introduce myself. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials, but especially over on the Bluebird app, where you can follow me at Sir DRJM. You can tweet at me. You can DM me, whatever you want over there. I'd love to reach out with you, or reach out with you. I'd love to interact with you. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to bring any topics you have to the show or anything you'd like to hear me talk about as it relates to video games as it relates to Blizzard games, as it relates to Overwatch, of course, in general. Special shout out to Ben, who uh, actually my wife ran into in person and uh, has listened to the show and also is, of course, a fan of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast, One Man Watchpoint, and the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast on podcast services everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends... <laughs> and all that jazz. And I do implore you, listen to both podcasts, of course, listen to episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint, but listen to Ready, Set, Pwn as well. Uh, right now in the off season of the Overwatch League, we do post alternating weeks so you can get your weekly dose of Overwatch goodness that way. Now, we have quite a bit to cover here. Of course, as we are doing every other week, we're going to rewind the clock a little bit here. We're going to head back to January for a little bit of our news in what I'm calling the Blizzard episode, because every news story from this week's episode is, of course, pulling straight from Blizzard themselves. So let's dive on in. God save the king! <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned here, every story from this week's episode is directly from overwatch.blizzard.com, posted under their news section. Uh, most of them are just posted under the Blizzard Entertainment moniker, so obviously it's a uh, PR post uh, talking about the game, talking about updates from the team and everything like that. However, there are a few that are labeled directly from Aaron Keller, of course, director of Overwatch. So the first one we're going to touch on here is from January 27th, which is literally called Developer Update from Aaron Keller. So I'm going to read through the article here. I'll loop back around. We'll talk a little bit about some of the points he touches on. These uh, these ones that are from Aaron Keller are a little bit shorter than the other ones, um, so there won't be too, too much to cover in there. The other ones are a little bit longer. I'll read through them, and then uh, I might just uh, pause partway through to talk about some of the, the items that they're mentioning there, um, and then we'll continue onwards. So without further ado, here is developer update from Aaron Keller, this time posted on January 27th, 2023. Hi everyone, this piece is aimed at looking at some of the topics that have come up in the community over the course of Season 2. This won't be a con 
won't be comprehensive enough to look at everything that players are talking about, but our intent is to do this every few weeks, so we will be able to start diving into smaller topics as we go. Also, the goal here is to keep you up to date on what we're thinking and planning, but not necessarily be the source for all the reasoning and detail behind those decisions. So, let's get to it. The new rank mode suffered from poor comprehension. There was confusion around players' real rank and how that translated to their skill level, difficulty forming groups with friends, and a negative impression of the matchmaker when players of different ranks were put in the same match, even if their skill levels were similar. We will be implementing some changes in Season 3 and quite a few more in Season 4, all aimed at creating more clarity in the system. More details on short-term changes and long-term vision will be coming soon, TM. We've gotten feedback from players that the game doesn't feel rewarding enough to play, and that players can't earn the items they want in a short enough period of time. We'll be making a change in Season 3 that should address some of these complaints. This is a first step. We'll have more details to share about this next week. There are a fair number of changes to ult cost in Season 3. We'll be lowering the ult refund when swapping heroes to 25% as part of this tuning pass. Balance frequency is a big topic. Bug fixes to sorry bug fixes to hot fixing should enable us to address balance faster and would have enabled us to tune hog earlier in season two we're still planning an initial and mid-season patch each season but now have the ability to fill in between those as necessary one shots and frustrating hero mechanics are being discussed a lot in the community and on the team this is an ongoing discussion but the topic has a lot of nuances that involve the frequency of those mechanics trade-offs for using it the overall power level of a hero how often the hero is played, as well as things like a hero's fantasy. Knowing that, know that we're listening. Sorry, know that we're listening here. The feedback has been great and very welcome, and we'll come back to this when we have more to share. Thanks so much for reading, and please keep the feedback coming. We're listening, Aaron. So uh, let's kind of break it down. We'll touch a little bit on a few of those things. The first thing I want to touch on is the fact that he says the new ranked mode suffered from poor comprehension. This does seem like a little bit of a backhanded remark. Um, it's just, you know, a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, the test was really hard. Yeah, well, you guys didn't actually understand the questions. Like, it's a little bit like you're, you're blaming the, the, the victims here. But, I mean, we're not victims. It's a video game, so who really cares? But, anyways, moving on from there. They talk about confusion around the uh, skill level and grouping up. Um, and then, overall, the big takeaway here is implementing changes in Season 3 and 4. And, of course, they say soon TM. So... Hard to say really when a lot of those changes will be coming, but we might just hear about some more of those later on in the episode. Then they talk about rewards, and they mention that the game doesn't feel rewarding enough, which is certainly something that I think we've all felt. I think that's, uh, you know, if you've played Overwatch 2, if you've experienced this battle pass system, uh, especially compared to Overwatch 1, it really hasn't, in my mind, uh, given that that sort of serotonin boost that you get, uh, you know, even just from loot boxes or from unlocking things as you go. Um, on a personal note, I've actually been dabbling in Fortnite for the first time in, honestly, ever. And I've actually really been enjoying that, the the battle pass that they have in there. At the same time, I've also been playing a lot of Marvel Snap, and I really enjoy the battle pass they have there. And it's in stark contrast to the Overwatch battle pass, where I have barely touched the game uh, in terms of Season 3. I'm actually looking forward to getting back to the game and playing more in... Uh, sorry, in Season 2 is the one I meant to say. I'm actually looking forward to getting back into it in Season 3 with uh, the new season that's just starting because of some of the changes that we'll talk about today. So, anyways, they talk about making changes to the rewards to make the game feel more rewarding. Um, again, this is just sort of a little bit of a letter from Aaron to, you know, all of us. Uh, so they don't go into too many details there, but ultimately, again, they're saying 
more is coming. They touch on the alt charge refund changing from 30% to 25%. Um, actually, one story that we're not going to talk about this week is that uh, there are some some patch notes that have dropped about some tweaks they're making, some changes to some of the characters balancing, things like that. Um, and this is one of the changes that they mention in those patch notes. Um, so they are going live with this right away here. Uh, I think as of the time you're listening to this, it will be live. So interesting stuff. Do I think that's going to make a significant uh, impact on people changing who they're playing and everything? No, I don't. Um, I personally do like the the ultra refund uh mechanic there i think it's a good way to encourage people to swap off a hero just in case you know regardless of of where they're sitting at uh with that current hero and everything so moving on from there they mentioned balance and they do talk about bug fixes addressing things they talk about the hog problems that everyone complained about the fact that hog was way too prevalent and way too strong and things like that um it sounds like there may have been some challenges before where they couldn't quite tune things, they couldn't adjust as quickly or on the fly as they wanted to, and as maybe they need to, but it does also sound like now they're past that and they're going to be able to do that. And I do like the idea that we may get these sort of bug fixes, hot fixes, kind of quickly at a regular clip, and then of course there's going to be an initial season patch that you know adjusts things greater and a mid-season patch uh, in the middle of the season to adjust as well. I think I actually talked about this on the last episode of One Man Watchpoint, um, and just kind of made the point that, you know, realistically in my mind, it shouldn't be too hard, and it should, in fact, be um, easy to work around a schedule like that because you're planning for it, right? Um, in, In essence, the idea would be to schedule these things out so that, okay, season starts here, we know our patch days are Tuesday, So once the season starts, we have whatever you want to do, four weeks to figure out the next patch, and then we drop it there. Then we have another four weeks to drop the next season's patch that will go live just before the next season starts. So really, it's all about project planning, managing uh, the the time and and your resources that are going into that so that you can make these changes predictably, right? Moving on from there, of course, they talk about one-shots as well. I think that kind of comes along with a lot of the balancing bug, pick, uh, not bug fixes, but um, hot fixing and things like that. If they do, you know, see some of these statistics that that a certain character is a, you know, a frustrating hero, quote-unquote, um, or something to that extent, then I do see the bug fixing as enabling them to fix some of these one-shots and things like that. Again, it's really, really kind of hard to say where exactly they're going to go with that, but hey, we might touch on some of that in another one of our stories here so ultimately this was a kind of a nice communication to see again a little bit weird in some of the phrasing and things like that but ultimately it was good to see this and especially good to see this from aaron keller right uh i know last episode we had talked about the interview he did with i think it was nme.com um and it was really good to see that kind of communication although it seemed a little out of the blue and it seemed like what is this website and who chose this outlet to interview with but it was good to see. And then, of course, we have this, which, you know, again, bodes very well for communication coming shortly after that. Now, that actually dropped on January 27th, which was uh, not this most recent Friday, but the one before that. Our next article dropped on January 30th. So the Monday after that letter from Aaron, we had an article drop. So let's take a look at that. And this one is quite a bit longer. Um, it's actually, it breaks things down pretty nicely into distinct categories. So I'm going to read through those. And then it also has a TLDR at the beginning. I'm actually going to loop back after I read the rest of the article to that TLDR. So we can kind of talk about the main talking points. 
So, again, overwatch.blizzard.com, posted by Blizzard Entertainment on January 30th. This one reads, Overwatch 2 Developer Blog, Explaining Matchmaker Goals and Plans, Part 2. Welcome back, heroes, for Part 2 of our matchmaking series. Uh, sorry, I guess, welcome back, heroes, for Part 2 of our matchmaking series. <laughs> they actually mentioned Part 1 here, which I don't think we covered. That was back on December 20th, so maybe we did talk about that. Maybe we skipped over it, because that was during, you know, the holiday hiatus, as I like to call it. But anyways, let's jump in here. Welcome back, heroes, for part two of our matchmaking series. In part one, we talked about how matchmaking works. It's an incredibly complex system that needs to consider many different inputs to make every single game as fair as possible. For part two, we're going to address some community concerns regarding the matchmaker from the perspective of the competitive game mode. Let's get into it. Here's what we're currently seeing in Ranked. We've seen your feedback on matches with wide skill variation, and we want to talk about a few reasons that could be happening, as well as our plans to address your concerns. We allow play players sorry, to group together even when there's a difference in the MRR between party members, and this is a major source of wide skill disparities in match. We're working on some changes that will match parties with similar MRR disparities together more frequently, which we expect to noticeably reduce how often we make wide matches. This will make it much less likely for a solo player or a party with a narrow skill disparity to end up in a match with a wide skill disparity. Often, matches with a wide displayed skill tier difference still look very close when looking at the difference in MRR between the two teams. The partial rank reset at the beginning of the season may be exaggerating this by, looking, by making it look like someone is lower than their actual rank. However, regardless of the seasonal reset, both skill tier and MRR can decay over time for players who are inactive for a considerable amount of time. Players who return may see dramatic shifts to their skill tiers as they resume playing regularly, and the game becomes more certain of that player's current skill. We've also seen the community talk about inconsistent games or how some games feel incredibly one-sided, and that feedback has been helpful. Understanding what causes one-sided matches and how to reduce their frequency has become a major area of focus for our team. This is a tricky problem because one-sided matches can happen in Overwatch, even between balanced teams. So, our first step has been to study the problem and understand the various factors that can cause one-sided matches, and we're planning to share what we learn with you in a developer blog down the road. Competitive updates are another topic we've been exploring. We want you to feel a sense of progression without needing to focus on a super granular number like a skill rating, but we feel and agree with the community that competitive updates are a bit too infrequent currently. There's a lot in there. There is a lot in that little snippet, but we're going to move on. We'll come back to this. Here's the direction we're moving forward with. Here, Sorry, here's the direction we're taking moving forward. I butchered that. What we're doing in Season 3. So Season 3, of course, went live today as of recording. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it will have been live for at least a day, if not more. Based on community feedback, we're implementing some updates to the matchmaker that try to place pairs of players in similar MRR on each role on their team. This means that opposing tanks should be more similarly matched than before, and likewise for other respective roles. The goal with this change is to make the average MRR between each role more evenly matched to each other instead of looking more broadly across the entire team to balance things out. This is a major change to the matchmaker, so we'll be actively monitoring for any unintended side effects. We've seen feedback that having to play as many as 26 matches to get an update has been discouraging for players. Sorry, I struggled with that one. Starting with Season 3, you'll now get a competitive update with every 5 wins and 15 losses. In the mid-tier patch for Season 3, we're also updating the UI, so information about your progress towards a competitive update will always be viewable. Also, beginning with our mid-season patch, top 500 players will see their top 500 leaderboard rank updated after every match rather than in competitive updates. What we're doing in the near future. We've heard your feedback and confusion around seasonal rank decay and rank resets. 
Starting with Season 4, we're planning to remove seasonal competitive rank resets and all current and past season rank decay. We'll continue to build out competitive updates in Season 4 when, uh, when we add information about your current wins and losses to the competitive update scenes. Sorry, screens. We're hoping this additional context will help you better interpret changes to your skill tier and division in the update. We're also looking into possible ways to provide you with more information about the matchmaking quality of your game. Long-term plans and goals. In the long term, we're planning to provide new ways for players to share a challenging and competitive experience in Overwatch 2. We'll share more on this down the road. That said, matchmaking improvements are an evergreen area of focus for the team, and we'll stay focused on testing and deploying continuous improvements to our matchmaking algorithm. Finally, we'll continue to watch your feedback and improve upon the overall ranked experience over time. Our goal continues to be delivering matchmaking that feels fair and balanced for everyone. Closing thoughts. The goal of our matchmaker is to make each match as fair as possible, meaning your team has an equal chance of winning or losing each individual match. We firmly believe the most fun games of Overwatch are when they are fair, and our team is committed to discovering and implementing new changes and updates that align our game with that goal. Overwatch 2 is a continually evolving experience with new game modes, new heroes, and new maps to explore. This also means that we need to provide a constantly updated experience that can deliver the fairest possible matches through effective changes to how our matchmaker works and through clear communication with all of you. We look forward to seeing all of you on the battlefield. They then have a fact which goes through some of the sort of more nitty-gritty details about those, those changes they're talking about, but I'm going to skip over that. You can go check this article out if you'd like. I'm going to read the TLDR here, and then we'll talk about things. TLDR, your ranked games are formed based on your internal matchmaking rating. That's your MRR. Regardless of your displayed skill tier, MRR changes based on the result of each match with the amount of MRR you gain or lose depending on several factors like how highly rated your opponents were or how recently you played. You last played. Our team is aware of some community pain points with competitive and matchmaking. We have a set of improvements coming to matchmaking. We're also working on updates to the competitive system. For competitive play in Season 3, we'll reduce the number of wins between competitive updates from 7 to 5 wins or 20 to 15 losses. For our matchmaker, we're implementing role delta changes that will match similarly ranked players within each role. Season 4 will include additional information about your current wins and losses on the competitive update screens. Our team has begun work on longer term features and updates for both the matchmaker and competitive game modes, and we look forward to sharing more of those plans in the future. So there you go. There's a ton to digest in there. Of course, they break down the MRR system and how all of that works. They break down skill uh, decay um, and and your your tier and, and matchmaking in, in every essence of the way that it could be. But what's really important here is what they talk about, what we're doing in Season 3, what we're doing in Season 4, and then long-term plans, right? As the TLDR said there, the immediate change that we're going to see, of course, is... I mean, the most obvious one being we're no longer going to have to do 7 competitive. We're only going to have to do... Or, we're no longer going to have to win, I should say, seven competitive. We're only going to have to win seven competitive, I mean, five competitive, my goodness, to see an update as to uh, our rank or 20 losses down to 15 losses. That's going to be the most uh, probably noticeable change for most people, right? For for the average Joe playing competitive, um, if average Joes play competitive, or the average person just playing the game, right? That's where you're going to see the change for the most part. Now, they've also talked about there they're changing a lot of uh 
uh, the actual matchmaking behind the scenes. So it's no longer going to be, okay, this team has a 2000 MRR and this team has a 2000. We're going to match them together when realistically it could have been one person that was at a 1500 and the other four were the, that rest of that 500. Meanwhile, on the other side, the other team's more balanced. Um, you know, let's say each person was evenly split amongst that 2000, right? It's now going to actually break down each role. So if your two tanks make up, let's say, 1,000 of that 2,000, then guess what? On the other side, the two tanks will also equal that or, or get close to equaling that, uh, that 1,000. So it's really kind of an interesting experiment they're doing there, if you ask me, um, because the fact is that does mean that you could see games carried on the performance of one role, right? If you, again, if let's say we have two teams, um, they're both sitting at a 2,000, uh, and they're facing off against each other. Well, you could say that if, let's say, one team, uh, their two tanks are each 500, right? The other side is going to try and match that, which, but then that means, sorry, there's only one tank. Haha, <laughs> let's say one tank is uh, five, uh, 1,000, and on the other side, one tank is 1,000. Well, then the other four members of your team are going to make up the rest of that 1,000 in the total of 2,000. So realistically, your tank role is probably going to be carrying your team in that sense. Um, because they're, in essence, the highest skilled player on the team. Now, obviously, that's very oversimplifying things, but it's really interesting to think about what that's going to look like. In theory, um, I would assume the system is going to be built to try and even the entire thing out. So if your total uh, was, let's say, 4,000, let's just say 5,000, for example. I don't even know if that's possible, 5,000, but let's just say 5,000. Um, you know, ideally, it would be each person is 1,000, right? Each role is totaling uh, 1,000 there. Now, obviously, that doesn't quite work out because tank, there's only one role, um, so that would be 1,000, but then your two DPS players are going to each be 2,000. Your two support players are each going to be uh, 2,000, sorry, 1,000 each, totaling 2,000, making a total of 5,000, etc., etc. You get where I'm going with this. It's all very interesting, and I had never considered this until reading this article, so I'm very curious to see how this truly plays out um, and if it really does make that much of an impact uh, and and what it looks like on that sort of carry side, right? Are we going to see, okay, in this match, the sports really carried things. In this match, the DPS really carried things. In this match, the tank really carried things. Or is it going to actually even things out quite a bit more? Now, moving on to Season 4. They don't really go into a ton of uh, detail about what exactly... Um, is happening in season four, but they do say they're removing the competitive rank resets and all current and past seasonal rank decay. So that's going to be a sort of much applauded change by the community. If you keep up with the competitive community, a lot of people were not happy about that. And we're especially not happy when the season ended and you kind of got rewound backwards. Um, over on the Ready Set Poem podcast, one of uh, one of my co-hosts, Omni, actually talked about the fact that it's basically like your your company saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a raise, but at the end of the quarter, we're actually going to take that raise away." Um, you know, hey, at the by the end of this quarter, we believe you earned your way up to just for example, let's say eighty thousand dollars a year, but at the end of the quarter, we're actually going to roll you back to about sixty five, um, and then you can earn your way back up to that eighty by the end of uh, the next quarter, right? It's not really, it doesn't really make a ton of sense, although I understand what they were going for with that, right? They wanted to give you something to strive for. They wanted to give you, um, you know, okay, I had this goal. Now I've dropped back down. Now I need to move back up. And the funny thing about that is that this is actually how Marvel Snap works. Um, and I only just recently realized this because their season, 
I think it was season two. It might have been season three. Their season just ended. And uh, so if, for example, you were at, let's just say, a 50, um, I think it goes up to 100. Uh, but anyways, if you're at a 50, it actually rolled you back. I believe it takes away 30 levels, so it rolled you back to a 20, and then you have to earn your way back up to the 50. So a little bit interesting, uh, you know, a little bit of a different scenario, but similar in premise kind of thing. So very interesting to see that. And ultimately, it sounds like the thing is with season four, it sounds like we're going to see some pretty significant changes that they just haven't talked about yet. Um, the really interesting part about that is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when this sort of first dropped, someone tweeted at Aaron Keller or or responded to the tweet announcing this and tagged Aaron Keller and said, why season four and why not season three? And Aaron actually responded and he basically, well, not basically, he did just say, the fact is the season three changes had already been locked. Those are already going live. There was nothing we could do to go back and change that. So we're already looking at season four. So what that kind of tells you is uh, that in terms of the development cycle, they are locking these seasons, you know, I would probably assume halfway through uh, the the previous season or the ongoing season, I should say. So I would, I would assume by about halfway through season two, they already knew these updates were coming for season three and had already started working on the season four updates because they knew, okay, we're going to get to a point where we have to lock in the changes that are coming for season three and then we can start moving forward there. So little bit of an interesting sort of peek behind the curtains there if you feel like reading between the lines so um really interesting stuff though overall what they're talking about um this is all about competitive and matchmaker which is really exciting uh because of course you know if you're listening to this you are probably into the competitive scene or you are probably pretty deep into overwatch so uh exciting to see this kind of stuff i like i said before i'm actually looking forward to getting back into overwatch um this past season I just really wasn't feeling it and granted the season started right around the same time I was playing God of War so I was really focused on that um but even once I finished I just didn't have much desire to come back to Overwatch because I wasn't really having that much fun um you know going back to that first update there I wasn't finding the game rewarding uh you know even when I would get a win I would go in I would play a match get a win maybe get a loss but if I got a win you know I'd be like well that was fun and then I'd bounce right I just wasn't compelled to stick with it um Whereas season three that we've got, you know, out now, uh, I'm really actually enjoying what I'm seeing so far. I haven't had a chance to play it, just again, it just dropped today, um, and obviously I'm recording this, but I'm looking forward to dabbling in it again. And of course, we've also got some new stuff coming that we'll talk about in a little bit here. So let's move right along. Now, as I mentioned before, that update dropped January 30th. Guess when our next update came? Our next update came January 31st. That's right. The cadence this team has now established <laughs> is impossible to keep up with, but is very impressive. And I'm actually going to take a peek forward. The story after this, February 1st. The story after that, February 3rd. The story after that, February 6th. The story after that, also February 6th, but a little bit different. But anyways, it seems like with this season coming, you know, leading up to this season, and now that this season is here, they just went crazy with the communication, which is great. This is something to be celebrated. We've all preached that they need to communicate, communicate, communicate. This is something they preach at my work. And here we go. Seems like they're doing it. So can they keep up with it? I hope so. But let's dive into this next article. So again, overwatch.blizzard.com, posted by Blizzard Entertainment on January 31st. This one reads, Season 2 Retrospective, a look back in the road forward. 
The Overwatch team has been preparing to conclude Season 2 as we gear up to Season 3, and we're incredibly thankful for all the, players feed all the player feedback we've seen over the past few months. We'd like to take some time to reflect on this past season and give you a sense of where we're going in the future. Here's more info about what we're doing now and how we're thinking about longer-term challenge changes. Sorry, Ramatra stormed the hero lineup. We watched Ramatra closely when he first released, including community gameplay and conversations. We started asking ourselves some challenging questions about his kit's performance based on your feedback. What was the community's first impression of his kit? Is his kit approachable? Which abilities and moments are resonating with our community? What are the sore spots? The next set of questions focus more on his viability. How is he performing as players learn how to play him? What compositions is he fitting into? Are there early dominant strategies? Answers here help us decide if we want to make changes to the hero within the first two weeks before they enter competitive play. Ramatra's initial release was met with a lot of positive feedback in terms of fun factor. We saw a lot of great conversation around his kit and the overall design, but it was clear that you felt Ramatra wasn't viable in enough situations. At this point, there are many different factors that go into making balanced decisions, including player feedback and hero performance, though this is limited to quick play data, which can differ from competitive. With our learnings, we chose to increase his power while in nemesis form by upping his armor and speed. Alongside the Nemesis form changes, we also decreased the cooldown on his Void Barrier to create more overall uptime with his abilities. Overall, this set, changes, this set of changes had a large effect on Ramatra's, Ramatra's effectiveness as he entered competitive as one of the stronger tank picks, a big shift from his lower performance leading up to the changes. As we wrap Season 2, Ramatra remains a strong tank choice and the previous changes helped achieve some of Ramatra's overall design goals. Going into his release, though, there was one ability we knew would be a risk his ultimate ability, Annihilation. While an ultimate lasting as long as enemies are in it is very exciting, it can lead to some unhealthy game scenarios. We want Ramatra to feel imposing and intimidating, but not feel hopeless to fight against. In Season 3, we'll be changing the timer on Annihilation so that it will tick down slower if enemies are in it, previously paused the timer entirely, and adding a cap of 20 seconds. That should eliminate many of the extreme uses and enable more counterplay while keeping Annihilation a strong and impactful ability. So I'm actually going to pause here and I'm going to dive into some of what they talked about there. Um, really interesting stuff here. Obviously, as I talked about, I really did not play this past season very much. Um, you know, I did play a little bit um, and I did try Ramatra. Uh, I didn't get the battle pass though. So, you know, I certainly didn't uh, didn't jump into competitive with him, didn't jump into quick play with him or anything like that. Um, I did play some of the arcade modes, though, and of course you can play him there. You can also play him in the training uh, training field, training ground, training room, whatever it's called. Um, and interesting kit. Um, I really enjoyed the idea behind it and everything like that. But of course I also saw online the feedback around the never-ending battles with him um, and the clips that everyone posted where, you know, you'd have a fight that was just Ramatra versus Ramatra, uh, both enemies staying in the, the Ramatra bubble, the Annihilation bubble, and being kept up by their team, and the fight would just never end. Um, so I'm not surprised at all to hear these changes. Uh, it's it's funny that they say, um, uh, where, where was it there? Uh, an ultimate lasting as long as enemies are in it is very exciting. That is very exciting. That's very much saying to the player base, hey, if you can keep people in this, guess what? It's never going away. Um, the fact is, on a team-based game where you only have five players, you have to assume at some point it will go away unless the enemy team just keeps feeding and feeding and feeding, right? If players are just streaming in one by one by one. Now, in order for that to happen, you'd also have to have some pretty insane coordination on your own team to say, don't shoot this person, let them get close enough to me to get in my uh, range to keep this up. 
but in any case, we did see fights going on very, very long uh, because of it. So certainly it does sound fun to be on the, the dishing out end of that, the Ramatra end of that, but not on the receiving end of that. So not at all surprised to hear about these changes. Um, I like that, I mean, adding a cap to it seems to be the most obvious. Cap of 20 seconds does seem pretty long. In Overwatch terms, 20 seconds is kind of an eternity. Um, you know, I, I usually argue that something like 6 seconds, something like three seconds depending on who it is which character it is what the situation is can feel like a very long time so 20 seconds is still pretty incredible and i think they're doing that because they do want to keep ramatra in the pool uh the the regular play um and keep making him a strong pick for for the tank role um the timer ticking down faster when uh an enemy is not in it is also an interesting sort of uh um addition onto that right so it's not just a strict 20 seconds if you pop it and no one's near you it's not just 20 seconds and it's gone it's probably more like i would have to assume somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 right it's just gonna run out um but it does tick faster if nobody's in it so interesting changes there um interesting to hear that that's kind of how they're approaching it i wouldn't be surprised at all if we still see a little bit more tweaks to it um the annihilation ability specifically but again having not played against it too too much um I don't have a ton more to say about it. So let's move on. Battle for Olympus and other Season 2 limited time events. We set a goal in Overwatch 2 of having more frequent in-game events and unique limited time game modes. As we gather your feedback and look at whether you enjoyed different events, we expect to improve and bring back many of them in the future. Generally, we want to craft different ways to play the game and give you fun new game modes and events to experience. And we want to be more willing to take creative risks for these limited time game modes. Now, I'm just going to touch on something there before I continue. Uh, interesting that they say uh, we expect to improve and bring many of them back in the future. So that says to me, you know, everybody squabbled when they brought back, uh, you know, Winter Wonderland and, uh, you know, even some of the Junkenstein's Revenge modes. And of course, the, um, the Lunar New Year event as well. Everyone squabbled that we've seen these a thousand times over. Well, the fact is, it sounds like, you know, they are probably going to also be bringing back some of these limited time game modes as well. Um, things like the Battle for Olympus that we just saw. Now, you have to assume, again, given the fact that they're listening to the community and everything like that, I would assume if something is very poorly received, they're not going to bring it back. If they do, they'll bring it back in addition to something else to, to satiate the audience. But anyways, just wanted to highlight that. Continuing on, we debuted the Battle for Olympus during Season 2. We're generally happy about this mode and player feedback around it, but we do think there's room for improvement. Specifically, we did not expect that players would pursue all hero titles during the event. We think some challenges were too difficult to complete in aggregate. Based on your feedback, we also plan to make a Team Deathmatch version and enable the custom, sorry, the mode in custom games the next time it runs. And we mistakenly did not include environmental kills in the leaderboard tabulations. Zeus fights dirty at times with a giant statue on the line, but this will be corrected for any future battles. We also brought back the Winter Wonderland and Lunar New Year events. Millions of new players have come into play Overwatch. Uh, sorry, have come into play Overwatch 2 and been able to experiencing to experience these events for the first time. However, We've heard and understand the feedback from Overwatch veterans that these events don't feel as exciting when they come back around, particularly if you already own the event reward, as was the case for some players in the Lunar New Year event. We're working to offer rewards that are new for all players more consistently. In Season 3, one of our new events will offer players an all-new Legendary skin, and starting in Season 4, our goal is to offer new items as rewards for most of our big events. So let's talk about that. Uh, they talked specifically about the Battle for Olympus stuff there. Uh, again, given that I 
barely played it. I think I played one or two rounds. I won't go into that too much. If you liked it, great. If not, they're going to make some changes. Uh, well, I guess I will touch on one thing. The big thing they talk about there, we did not expect players to pursue all hero titles. That's kind of ridiculous because like you're talking about gamers here. You're talking about people who chase digital trophies, digital achievements, digital, digital whatever you want to call them in various platforms. Like, come on, you had to know people were going to, people are completionists, right? Gamers are completionists. They're going to go for all those titles. Anyways, let's move on. Now, they talk about Winter Wonderland and Lunar New Year, as I did just prior. Um, again, they actually touch on exactly what I talked about there. People weren't thrilled. Um, the rewards weren't there for, for the veterans, for people who have stuck with the game. Um, and ultimately, why would, why would they care about those events if they're not getting anything new? Really good to hear that Season 3 is offering an all-new Legendary, so nobody will have that. And Season 4, they're going to be offering even more rewards uh, for most of their bigger events. That's, that's all great to hear, and necessary feedback and in my mind probably something they should have planned for but in any case really good to hear ranked updates and changes our team is aware of some community pain points with competitive mode and matchmaking specifically matches with wide scale variations and consistent games and too few and infrequent competitive updates we have a set of improvements coming to matchmaking we're also working on updates to the competitive system you can learn more about this information in part one and part two of our matchmaking series obviously we covered that already let's continue reintroducing credits and hero gallery update in Season 3, we're bringing back Overwatch credits, which have been previously known as Legacy Credits, and been unearnable in Overwatch 2. Now, all players can earn up to 1,500 credits as free rewards, and another 500 credits as premium rewards spread throughout Season 3's Battle Pass. We're also adding more uses for your credits, so you can choose from many potential rewards. Let's talk about that, because that is great. <laughs> if you ask me, it, not if you ask me, it blows my mind that they thought we're going to do away with this currency altogether. We're going to let you spend what you have if you have some on, you know, a thing here and there, but it's all going to be crappy rewards that you've already, either you already have, or you don't really care about because it's just the basics, the default skin recolors, but we're also not going to give you a way to top them up if you're just shy a little bit, which quite literally is the exact case with me. When Overwatch 1 ended, I actually had 975 credits because I did go in and spend everything I had. Uh, well, for the most part. But I kept those 975 wondering if there might be some conversion thing you could do where you could either combine credits to get something or um, you know, you could apply credits to newer skins and it would just maybe be sort of a uh, depreciated value, right? So if something cost, you know, let's just say, uh, uh whatever let's say it cost a thousand overwatch coins the new currency maybe it would cost 1500 overwatch credits 1500 legacy right so it would cost more so the value of them is lesser um i had hoped for something like that and then of course we didn't see that all we saw was oh it's something ridiculous a ridiculous amount to get a re default skin recolor so anyways i'm very glad to see that they're making this change um, I haven't looked into what it's going to take to earn those 1,500 credits or that 500. Um, I believe, sorry, the 500 extra is through the Battle Pass only. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I'm going to buy the Season 3 Battle Pass just yet. But if I do, then obviously I'll be able to get up to 2,000. Um, anyways, I'm looking forward to actually clearing out those old credits. I, I want to, I mean, if I'm going to be able to earn them regularly, then I guess I don't need to do that. But it's just nice to see that there will be some use for them. Continuing on. Specifically, we are making two related updates to our Hero Gallery. First, nearly all Epic and Legendary tier skins prior to Overwatch 2 launch will always be available in the Hero Gallery for purchase with either Overwatch coins 
or credits. This includes skins from seasonal event modes, so now you can finally pick up Witch Mercy, Surf and Splash Torbjorn, or Snowman Wrecking Ball any time of the year without waiting for the event to roll around. Second, we're lowering the standard price of these legendary skins to 1,500 coins or credits. Okay, there you go. That literally answers one of the questions I had. Um, all around, this is good news. This is this is just great. I can go in, I can get any of those old skins that I want as long as I have the, the currency to buy them. They also talk about there lowering the price of those legendary skins to 1,500 coins or credits. That's great to hear. Just absolutely great. This is, this is all awesome. Very positive changes. This should have been the case from day one. Taken together, these changes mean all players can earn a legendary skin of their choice each season from the Hero Gallery skins just for playing normally and without needing to make any purchases. We understand that some players already have a very large balances of credits. To ensure that all players feel rewarded for their time spend they spend playing, we're looking into additional ways for players to use credits in the future. These changes aren't the end of the journey to make Overwatch to a more rewarding game to play. They're just the beginning. We have more updates coming in future seasons. We'll be reading your feedback to understand what's working and what isn't for all of you. Overall, this section is just music to my ears. I've talked before about the fact that ultimately when I play these games, like, I just want to collect stuff. I, I like collecting stuff. You give me a, you put out a six skin for someone, I want it. I don't care if I play that character or not. Um, if it's a cool skin, I want it. I love the design. I love the art behind them. I love the little details they have in them. I love the stitching they put in them. I love the color of the goo around Roadhog's face. And I love everything about it. I just want cool skins. Um, anyways, the point is, I'm really glad to hear all of these updates. And of course, they talk about, you know, they're, they're listening. They're going to make more changes. They close out the article with, as we continue to move forward and grow. We think it's very important to share long-term plans about game features and updates, but it's possible that some of these changes, uh, some of these things may change as we continue to develop and test these plans while listening to your player feedback. Generally, we want to add or improve systems that better celebrate players match-to-match -match, as well as across seasons. One angle we've been exploring is revamping our on-fire system to highlight when you're having a particularly impressive performance within a match. While still in the early stages, we've begun design sorry, design work on a hero-based progression system that would showcase the energy players put into playing each hero and mastering their different capabilities. We know this is an area that you all care about deeply, and we look forward to providing more updates as we continue our work here. Thank you for sharing your support and feedback. It's what enables us to make positive changes to the game. We can't wait to hear from you in Season 3. So... They close things out there by dropping a couple of nice little tidbit bombs on us. The first one, looking at bringing the on-fire system back. That's pretty cool. I know that was that was something some people kind of identified early on, was that, you know, it was it was nice to be able to tell when, uh, you know, a player on your team was really popping off or when you were really popping off, right? Granted, you generally know when you're doing very well. But on some other roles, like support roles, um, because the on-fire system was, you know, based on your performance not just something like kills um it's not always the easiest to tell when you're on something like support so it is cool to see that um and exciting to hear that you know they may be putting something back in the game like that now the other thing that they talk about there that i think is really cool and has a ton of potential is a hero based progression system this is something that i hear that and in my mind my mind literally goes that's brilliant that should have been Overwatch 2. I know we're still under that, air quotes, early access tag. I think something like this 
would have gone a long way to differentiate the game from Overwatch 1. If they had leaned into something like that, and I mean, I'm going to bring in something else here, but obviously if the PvE had come out with Overwatch 2 and they had something like this carrying over into the uh, PvP side of things, I really think there would have been a ton less of the complaints behind the whole uh, Overwatch 1.5 argument, right? If they had put these things together, um, and okay, so let's let's say they don't put these things together. Um, if they had simply put this in, I think it would have gone a long way to say this is how Overwatch 2 is different from Overwatch 1. We want to say, okay, you are a Tracer main, you have 400 hours on Tracer. Guess what? We're going to reward you by giving you, and I don't even know what they would give you, you know, uh, Mythic or Legendary skin for Tracer, uh, or two or three. We're going to give you some customization for Tracer that other players won't have. Um, you know, and maybe it's, it's obviously wouldn't be hour-based. It would be, you know, progression-based in some way like that. So win 500 matches, whatever. Um, as you play the hero more, you gain whatever experience, you gain whatever you want to call it to allow you to really showcase your Tracer, right? Um, I do think it would mostly be cosmetic. I, I wouldn't, certainly, I don't think anyone would want uh, um, something like uh, uh, performance-based, right? Nobody would want you to have an advantage simply because you play Tracer a lot. The fact is you probably already have an advantage based on skill if you play Tracer a lot, but it sure would be cool to say, okay, that Tracer has these goggles. Well, how did they get that? Oh, that's because they've played 600 hours of Tracer. Um, you know, that maybe it's maybe it's a gun or something like that maybe it's a an exclusive um watch, uh, watch charm a weapon charm um weapon charms are pretty small though and you can't really see those unless you're viewing the replay um i don't know maybe it's something like the the trail behind tracer when she does her uh, zippity zap zoom uh something her blink is what i'm talking about something like that right something to really show this is why you would main a character right and i'm sure that would incentivize people to say oh you know I like Tracer, maybe I play her a lot, but I don't play her that much, but I really want that one reward, or I really want her to look this way, so now I'm going to invest extra time into her uh, to really get her, uh, you know, up to up to where I want her to be. I think this system could be really cool, and the fact is, this is where I kind of am tying Overwatch 2 into it, the fact is, we know in PvE, they're looking at or building out talents and things like that for characters for heroes and a form of a progression system on that side that really is a through line between the pve and the pvp right if you have let's say your talents over in the pve and as you progress there it actually unlocks things again mostly cosmetics for you to use in the pvp then it shows even more hey over on the pve side i have this Therefore, I get this on the PvP side, right? Um, it kind of sh- allows you to demonstrate that, you know, I'm not just a pro at uh, at the PvP side. I actually am also heavily invested in the PvE side. So anyhow, I digress. That's a very exciting one that I think is really cool and really exciting to hear about. Let's move on. We're quite a ways into the show, and I actually still have... <laughs> How many stories have I covered? One, two, three. I still have four more stories to get through, so I'm going to try and fly through these because I don't want to be here all night. Continuing with overwatch.blizzard.com, again posted by Blizzard Entertainment, this time on February 1st, we have an article called Defense Matrix Update, Streaming Protection Features and New Actions for Cheating. 
With the launch of Overwatch 2, we have welcomed over 40 million players, both returning and new to the world of Overwatch. Since becoming free-to-play, we've continued to combat disruptive behaviors, including gameplay, sabotage, abusive chat, and cheating. As explained in the introduction to our Defense Matrix initiative, we've already made strides to push toward a fairer game experience for all our players. Today, we have a few updates we'd like to share about how we're continuing to ensure Overwatch 2 is a fun and safe game for everyone to enjoy. Disruptive voice, voice chat detection. In our previous blog, we announced that we, sorry, that we would begin to identify and take action against those who are disruptive in voice chat through the use of our new voice to text translate transcription and AI learning algorithms. We've begun to roll out this new technology starting in season two for select regions and has proven to be exceptionally accurate and effective in identifying abusive chat and language. We've already begun working to stop disruptive players with applicable chat silencing and account suspensions as needed. Remember to report anyone you find to be disrupt sorry, find to be abusive, whether in voice chat or text chat, immediately as soon as you encounter it in your games. Reporting right away helps us to take action on those accounts faster. This is pretty crazy to hear, and I hope they're not playing up how well it works, because if if it's working as well as they make it seem, like that's really cool. Um and one thing to touch on here, uh our other host of the uh Ready Set Poem podcast, Chris, uh Lightforce, he actually often talks about reporting people. So there you go. Good job, Chris. You're fueling the uh, Defense Matrix initiative. Custom game moderation. Many of the custom games our players have come up with continue to be fun and creative ways to enjoy Overwatch 2. While we work to bring back our advanced workshop tools for custom game creators to use, we also want to make sure we are providing ways to make sure our custom games remain safe and enjoyable for all players. Soon, we'll be adding in new moderation technology that works behind the scenes to automatically remove custom games containing inappropriate titles or content, along with issuing restrictions or account actions to those who create and post such custom games. Remember, when you see any inappropriate custom game listing, be sure to open the custom games information tab and report them. Introducing streamer protection. As part of maintaining a strong Overwatch 2 community is supporting our dedicated players who create content and live stream across various video platforms. A growing problem in live streaming communities is when disruptive players attempt to interfere with those content creators by trying to queue into the same match they want to play. They want to play. Quote, stream sniping is not an easy problem to solve, but starting in Season 3, we're introducing new streaming protection features that should be a huge step towards enabling content creators to share Overwatch 2 with their fans safely and without harassment from disruptive players. Players will now be able to hide their current battle tag or hide the tags of the other players in the same game they play in their own game client. This will prevent those who may be watching that player's live stream from identifying if they're in the same lobby. Players can now hide the current queue time and even delay it for a random time before the game actually begins to find a match for that player. Replay codes can also now be hidden from appearing in the game chat. These features will be available starting in Season 3 for all players and can be found in the social options in your settings. Great to hear. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, streamer protection is something that I had actually heard thrown around before, but I'd never really considered. Um, but honestly, that's that's a great update to have and really glad to see it going live in Season 3. Grouping up and playing fair. We acknowledge that cheating continues to be a major concern for many of our high-ranked players. So far, we've actioned over 50,000 accounts that we've found to be cheating since the launch of Overwatch 2. Along with taking action against cheaters, we want to discourage any incentive to take advantage of cheating, including grouping up with anyone who cheats or uses hacks. Starting in Season 3, we'll be identifying players who willingly group up regularly with those flagged for cheating, and they will also face account action even if they're not using cheats themselves. Players who knowingly group up with cheaters are looking to take the same advantage as those who cheat themselves, including boosting their accounts to skill levels they would not normally belong in uh, with their own skill. 
Doing so creates unfair and imbalanced matches for many in our community and does not live up to the core value of play nice, play fair. While those who directly cheat are often permanently banned immediately, we'll be issuing severe suspensions for extended amounts of time and in extreme cases, outright bans to those grouping up with known cheaters. I don't know if you can hear the applause in the background, but we're all applauding this. This is great. Remember to report. We'd like to conclude with a reminder to all our community that your reports matter. Remember that we are more likely to take action on disruptive players when you see it in your games and take the time to report them. This helps us make Overwatch 2 a fun and enjoyable game experience for everyone. We also want to acknowledge that reporting on console platforms is a complicated experience and have plans to work on improving the user interface for console players to be more intuitive. Making sure we can deliver a safe, fun, and fair game for all players is a constant area of focus for our team, and we look forward to sharing more updates in the future. In the meantime, we encourage everyone to review the Blizzard in-game code of conduct and take any steps to ensure that your gameplay is fun and fair for others. Thank you, heroes. Until next time. All around, good stuff to hear. Protecting our players, taking care of each other and everyone is everyone's responsibility, so make sure you report people. Okay, now we move on to an article from February 3rd. So here we skipped over the second. I know, I know the communication is already slowing. Um, And we have another article or another note here from Aaron Keller. This one reads, Director's Take, Mapping Out the Future. I'm going to breeze through this one. Again, We've it'll cover a few of the same things we've already talked about, um, and then we'll get into what's coming with uh, Season 3, of course, because uh, there's a lot to talk about there. And then we'll just touch a little bit on... Uh, well, we might, just, we might just end it there. Director's Take, Mapping Out the Future, by Aaron Keller. Hi, all. We're back a little earlier than we had originally planned. Think of this as a bonus dev chat. We're going to focus mostly on maps and level design this time around. Off we go, map pools, dot, dot, dot. You were right, we were wrong. Map pools are going away starting in Season 4. We aim to provide a bit of freshness each season and concentrate the number of maps that people were playing. However, player sentiment around map pools was pretty low. The map roster didn't have enough maps where we truly needed them, and the impact they had on seasonal identity was fairly low. Additionally, the cadence for maps leaving and returning the pool didn't align with the time it took to make changes to the maps. Gibraltar was supposed to return in Season 4, but the playtesting and iteration we were doing for the map uh, started calling that deadline into question. There's the possibility that we bring map pools back in the far future when we have a lot more maps in the game. If we were to bring them back, they would probably rotate at a faster rate, potentially every week. If you hate this idea, set a reminder for two years from now and let us know. Map frequency. Some players... Uh, seem to think that we set the frequency of maps in the pool higher for new maps and game modes. The example we hear a lot is that Colosseo came up much more frequently than other maps. We don't have any special code that prefers one map to another, however it's not entirely random. We have been looking into this based off of player reports, and there's a detail of the matchmaking system that does elevate push maps a bit. The matchmaker tries to avoid people playing the same map as well as the same mode over a short period of time. Since since push has fewer maps than other game modes, this could cause those maps to come up more frequently than game modes with more maps. We're looking to mitigate this in the future, targeted for a future season. This is even more important considering that we have another new game mode with new maps scheduled for a seasonal release later this year. That's exciting. I don't know that we actually knew that. Do you ever spawn on defense in Gibraltar right before the first checkpoint is reached and wonder whether you'll get back to your team alive without getting caught outside of respawn? Outside of spawn, sorry. This problem has gone on too long. We've looked into level design changes to fix this uh, problem in several maps. We'll probably use that in a few places, but those have the possibility of opening new flanking routes for the offensive, uh, sorry, for the offense that offense that we'd prefer to avoid. 
So we're talking about solutions that don't necessitate map changes. It probably won't hit until season four, but it's in the works. One last non-map related item. We heard from players that event challenges focus too heavily on playing the game's events event modes. Sorry, the, the events game modes. Holy gosh. We've changed our values here. We're shifting direction to include more challenges that let you play the way you prefer while still introducing event game modes. Some of the event challenges will reflect these changes in Season 3. We'll continue to monitor this and change it in the future if it doesn't feel right. That's it. Keep the feedback, critiques, communication coming. Again, another another really good update from Aaron Keller. Um, again, really excited to see this coming from him. Um, he didn't touch on too much that we'd already talked about, actually. Uh, map pools going away is absolutely awesome. Um, you know, that's, that's great to see. Just it doesn't make sense to limit the number of maps when, you know, when you have three game modes uh so push control uh is that one push control escort control and then of course uh push you know it doesn't make sense to limit the number of maps that you can play on each of those if the entire game mode were one singular game mode and so you had let's say 20 maps that you could get any any match maybe then it makes sense but again because you have three different distinct game modes it makes sense to just let us have all the maps there so Map frequency, I mean, again, that is seemingly common sense to me, at least, you know, push has fewer maps, therefore, you're going to feel like you get the same push maps more frequently than you do the other game modes, but anyways. And then spawning, I don't know that I've ever seen that to be too much of an issue, but it does happen, so I get it. And of course, changing event game, uh, event game mode challenges and things like that, I think that's actually exciting. That's a good one, because that was one thing that, you know, if I wanted to earn the Winter Wonderland uh, challenge rewards it was basically like I had to play the winter wonderland that I didn't really want to play so kind of exciting to hear that they're gonna let you you know maybe tweak some of those things and say okay yeah you know you can do some other things I wouldn't mind if they had you you know say dip your toes in some of those other modes like play one round in it or win one even win one round is like a little bit much for some people but anyways exciting and interesting to see what they're gonna do there now <laughs> let's get in to season three the next article we have here is going to break down all of season three plus a little bit extra it's quite lengthy and we're already at an hour-long episode here so i'm going to go into it and then we'll kind of see where it goes before i do that i'm actually going to jump ahead so this this season three update dropped uh today of course as of recording they posted this update on overwatch.blizzard.com uh yesterday actually on february 6th that outlines all of it on the same day, on February 6th, they also posted an update about Twitch rewards. I'm going to quickly go over the Twitch rewards just as a PSA so you know to collect them. Earn free rewards when you watch Overwatch 2 on Twitch, February tw February 6th by Blizzard Entertainment. So, Wave 1 drops February 7th to February 21st. You can get the Seven of Spades spray uh, for watching two hours. And if you watch four more hours, you will get the Socialite Legendary Skin for Ash. So, I want to highlight that because... February 7th to 21st, that's now through February, for through most of February, you can get the Socialite Ash Legendary Skin. So get that. February 28th through March 14th, uh, two hours will get you the Poster Spray for Reinhardt. Four more hours will get you the Crusader Helm Weapon Charm. So that is uh, Reinhardt's Helm as a Weapon Charm. So that's February 28th through March 14th. Then March 21st, so they give you a week of no drops there. But uh, March 21st through to uh, April 4th, two hours will net you the Commando Spray for Reaper 
and four more hours will net you the Blackwatch logo weapon charm. So Blackwatch logo weapon charm is, I mean, seems pretty obvious there. Anyways, get in there, get those, make sure you link your Twitch account to your battle.net and claim your rewards as you come up to them so you can get those. Let's talk season three. So the other post that was posted on February 6th by Blizzard Entertainment over on overwatch.blizzard.com reads Overwatch 2 Season 3 starts February 7th. New, Ant New Antarctic Peninsula control map, One Punch Man collab, Loverwatch dating sim, and so much more. Season 3 begins on February 7th and brings with it a host of all new content, including the New Antarctic Peninsula control map, a new Asian mythology theme and battle pass with a mythic Rico skin, the ultimate Valentine's in-game event featuring a browser-based Overwatch dating simulator, Loverwatch, and an IP collaboration, a first ever for Overwatch 2. What's more, Pachamarichi, Pachamarchi, I get it, it's March, that's why. Pachamarchi returns in March. Read on for a short summary of the matchmaking, competitive, and balance changes we're making in Season 3, a preview of what to expect for our upcoming patches, and details on the return of the Overwatch World Cup. Season 3 also introduces workshop mode with all new auto-moderation tech along with several accessibility improvements. Let's get to it. New Antarctic Peninsula Control Map. Control gets its first new map in Overwatch 2 in the form of Frosty Antarctica. We've already visited the main facility of Echo Point Antarctica, as seen in May's Rise and Shine cinematic, but the Antarctic Peninsula Station is a lore-rich tundra with several stories yet to be told. The snow-themed control map features some unique sites, including an icebreaker ship and an underground drilling rig, with tons of flank routes and some offering a high ground advantage over high traffic areas and objectives. We can't wait to see how the meta unfolds for this chilly battleground. Really exciting. I, I love a new control map, so I'm really excited to hear about this. Um, and it looks, for all intents and purposes, it looks fantastic. There's penguins. It's great. Asian mythology theme and Kariko mythic skin. Overwatch has long explored and celebrated real-life cultures from around the world, which you can see in our roster of heroes from Korea, Japan, and China. We're excited to share that we're diving into Asian mythology as the theme for Season 3. This season features some of our most unique skins to date, and we have a few, uh, sorry, and we have some fun lore connections we think players will love. Complete the premium battle pass and you'll unlock the Am Amaterasu Kariko Mythic skin. Sorry, took me a second there. Inspired by various deities in Japanese mythology, with customizations you can mix and match themed for the moon, the sea, and storms. Our concept artists had a lot of fun coming up with the visual effects for this one. Uh, one which includes themed headpieces and a new look for Kariko's Spirit Fox. Really cool. I'm excited for this one. I want to dive in and see what the customization options are. I do hope they're more akin to the Genji Mythic skin than the Junker Queen Mythic skin. Um, although I think that the Junker Queen Mythic skin got, you know, a little bit of unwarranted hate for being, you know, more slimmed down than the Genji one. You know, it, the complaints were warranted, but I think it got a little bit extra. It got a little bit more than was warranted. Um, so I'm excited to see if this one is more in line with the Genji one than uh, the Junker Queen one or not. More rewards, more often. Season 3 will improve on our first two by offering even more rewards just for logging in and playing. You can look forward to 10 additional tiers of rewards on the free track, as well as 1,500 credits to earn and spend as you please in the Hero Gallery. We've added 500 credits to the Premium track as well. I actually didn't know that, and that is really good to hear. 10 additional tiers of rewards on the free track. So again, increasing the rewards that you get for uh, without buying the Battle Pass. I'm actually really excited, and I think... I might actually push for this battle pass, uh, not buy it, but I might actually push the free track and see how far I can get. 
Nearly all epic and legendary event hero skins from the original Overwatch, 300 in total, have been added to the hero gallery and will always be available for purchase with either Overwatch coins or credits. We've also lowered the price of those legendary skins from 1,900 credits to 1,500 credits. We obviously talked about that a little bit already. I didn't realize the total was 300. That's insane. But I'm really looking forward to going in and getting some of those old skins that I never did get. In total, we'll be offering four earnable skins outside of the Battle Pass through in-game events and granting players a heaping a heaping helping of other earnable and free cosmetics this season. This includes a gold medal weapon charm for logging in at any point between February 7th and February 20th to celebrate the Overwatch World Cup festivities. So, log in now and get that. A Cupid Hanzo, Cupid Hanzo player icon for logging in during our upcoming Ultimate Valentine's event, and an earnable Legendary Overwatch 2 skin later in the season for our IP collaboration. We'll share more details on how players can earn each of these skins and other rewards closer to when each event goes live. We'll also be granting all players the first five free tiers of rewards in the Battle Pass in Season 3 just for logging in during our first week. And tune in for Twitch drops throughout the season to support our streaming community and claim more of the fun cosmetics we've got in the chamber. In March, you can look forward to our returning Pachamarchi event, which includes even more rewards. More info on these events and their exact dates can be found below. So there you go. Just outlining a ton of the stuff to come in Season 3. Um, and again, all of this is just evidence to why I think Season 3 really feels like they're getting a grasp on things. It strikes me very much as Season 1, they probably had a feeling everyone, lots of people would be excited to come back. It, you know, it's it's exciting. It's a old game is new now, you know, coming in and experiencing a lot of the stuff for the first time. I feel like with Season 2, it was kind of a lull that they probably expected. And they were probably looking at Season 3 thinking, we know Season 2 is going to be more of Season 1, and that's not going to be super well received. We need to make some changes for Season 3 to kind of win back some of that good faith and some of those players that may have dropped off. And, I mean, everything I'm seeing so far as someone who did drop off, I'm loving it. But up, 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 up. Let's continue. Loverwatch Dating Sim, February 13th through 28th, and Ultimate Valentine's Event, February 14th through 28th. Can you feel the love? Our Ultimate Valentine event kicks off on Valentine's Day this year with a Hanzo 4v4 limited time mode and support theme challenges that can net you two earnable epic skins, among other rewards. In another first for Overwatch 2, don't miss out on the Loverwatch Dating Simulator, which launches on February 13th. Loverwatch is a bold, non-canon, <laughs> text-based dating sim where players will choose between two potential dating paths, Mercy or Genji. Players will be presented with dialogue options to interact with that hero and will be assisted by Cupid, who looks suspiciously like Hanzo. Unlock the secret ending and you'll be rewarded with a themed play of the game highlight. Once live, Loverwatch will be accessible at https colon www.loverwatch.gg and available on web client only. The experience will be playable until February 28th in Korea... Oh, in Korean, Japanese, Spanish, French, German, and English. The full playthrough lasts roughly 30 minutes. That's really exciting. I, I'm very excited for this. I think this is awesome to see them kind of expanding out uh, what they've done with the IP and what they're doing with with the characters and, you know, kind of just having a little fun with it, you know, getting a little loosey-goosey and doing something wild. One Punch Man collaboration, March 7th through April 6th. 
100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10-kilometer run every single day. We're excited to announce that we've been working with Japanese anime One Punch Man on our first-ever major IP collaboration for Overwatch 2 to bring One Punch Man skins and cosmetics to the game this season. Together, we've created a collection of cosmetics from the beloved anime, including Saitama skin for Doomfist. We'll reveal each item before they drop on March 7th, with one being a legendary skin that's earnable via themed challenges. I personally am not a... not. It's not that I'm not a One Punch Man fan, it's that I've never watched One, Pen, One Punch Man. I'm not a big anime fan, although I do enjoy anime every now and then, and there are a few that I've watched here and there. Um, it's just not a medium that I'm super into, but ultimately I'm super excited for this because of what it means for the future. Um, I think this is kind of the first foot in the door of what other collaborations could we see, right? I know I've talked about it, and I know a million other people have talked about um, how awesome it would be to see something like a Marvel collaboration. This, to me, strikes the right audience where it's, you know, it is a fairly niche market to look at the Overwatch uh, player base. It does expand it out to a larger market if you bring in something like One Punch Man, but it's not... There isn't a, you know, 0% crossover in those groups. There's probably a pretty significant amount of crossover between anime fans and Overwatch fans. So I'm excited for this. I'm excited for what it could mean for the future, and I'm excited for what potential it has to expand out. I'm also really interested in how they're doing it. So they've shown off the Doomfist skin for Saitama. As I, I hope I'm pronouncing that character's name right. Um, and the really exciting part about it is it's not that they're putting One Punch Man in Overwatch. It's that they're bringing One Punch Man and sort of flavoring it Overwatch, if you will, right? They're giving Doomfist a skin for a character from One Punch Man. So it's not as simple as, hey, One Punch Man is coming to Overwatch and, you know, it's going to be a character you select, but it is Doomfist, right? It's going to be Doomfist still, but he's going to be themed or look like this character. So I'm really excited to see where this expands out to and what else they can do with it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just super jazzed for this. Pachamarchi returns March 21st through April 4th. Pachamarchi is back with a new limited time kill confirmed game mode and a ton of rewards, including an epic skin, six Pachamarchi player icons, a weapon charm, and a name card. Claim a Pachamarchi Roadhog player icon just by logging in during the event and complete theme challenges to earn an epic Pachamarchi skin before... The event ends on April 4th. Yay, I guess. I don't I don't know. Balancing matchmaking quality of life changes. The full patch notes kick off, uh, or sorry, to kick off season three will be posted later today. Join us on Twitch today at 12 p.m. PT for an in-depth discussion of the hero balance changes heading your way later this week. We'll be joined by our lead hero designer, Alec Dawson, and A underscore Siegel as we break down who's getting nerfed, who's getting buffed, and what it means to you. In the meantime, here's a short summary of the biggest changes. Now, I'm actually not going to go into these just because I've talked about so many of these already. Um, they don't go into the details here of the patch notes, which again, I said I'm also not going to talk about on this episode. Um, but they do go into a lot of what we talked about, you know, five wins or down from seven wins to five wins, uh, 10, or I mean, sorry, 20, 20 losses down to 15 losses, um, some of the top 500 decay stuff, uh, you know, ult charge when swapping heroes reduced from 30 to 25%. So we've covered a lot of that stuff. Let's continue on to 
Overwatch World Cup celebration. The stage is set. All 36 countries participating in the Overwatch World Cup have been announced, and the competition committee selection process is now underway. Follow Overwatch and Path to Pro on Twitter for updates as we'll reveal the final committee and player rosters through these channels. Check out the newly launched web experience for details on all the ways to get involved, including the upcoming World Cup trials and Wildcard Challenge, which will qualify in additional teams, and the Season 3 Leaderboard Challenges. For more Overwatch World Cup, including how and when to watch, will be shared throughout the year. Workshop returning and moderation tools. We talked about that a lot already, so I'm not going to go into that too much. Streamer mode and accessibility improvements. So we talked about some of this, um, but I do want to cover uh, the section on accessibility here. Also added to the settings menus are several accessibility improvements outlined below. Improved subtitle options to allow for text scalability, character portrait icons, speaker name, text color changes, background color changes, and subtitle preview. Added the ability to change the mouse cursor size on PC. That's actually kind of cool. They have a screenshot of that. Added a setting to select custom colors for group and alerts in the UI, which can be previewed before saving for easier setup. And they've then actually got a whole bunch of screenshots of that, and it all looks really great. Um, I'm really glad to see, you know, obviously they talked about the streamer changes that I already covered uh, in this section as well. But I'm really excited to see them implementing some accessibility changes as well, because ultimately, you know, the more people that can play your game, the, the more widely adopted it's going to be. Best of luck on the battlefield. We hope you're as excited about this season as we are. Let us know what you think of the changes, and we'll continue to iterate and make Overwatch 2 the best game it can be there you have it that's everything from blizzard uh over the past well like i say usually it's usually it's two weeks from you know episode to episode but all this stuff kind of started dropping on the 27th so under two weeks let's see that that'd be about uh let's see that'd be seven just under two weeks um overall a ton of good stuff and a ton of great communication from the team i think all of this boils down to the fact that we are already seeing better communication we're seeing a ton of really positive changes a ton of movement in the right direction even the things that you know they can't necessarily do right away they're already talking about um and and like i say at one point aaron keller even mentioned you know unfortunately we've already locked in what we you know what's going to go live for season three so we can't add some of these things to that but expect it in season four so overall i'm really pleased and really impressed and hopefully they keep this up. And with that, that actually brings us to the end of the show. I don't have anything Overwatch League to talk about this time. So this is this is big. Usually I talk a lot of Overwatch League. This is all about Overwatch 2. So let's wrap. Looks like they were just playing dead. Thank you so much for listening to episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, episode 100 is a big deal for us uh, as a, you know, podcast that's run out of the basement of my house uh, that I make absolutely nothing off of. And I do purely just because I enjoy talking into a microphone for sometimes a little less than an hour, sometimes a little more than an hour. Um, it means a lot to me if you are listening. So thank you very much for listening. If you're new, if you're old, uh, spread the word uh, and get more people listening because I'd love to love to have more people interacting with me. You can, of course, do that over on Twitter. You can follow me at SirDRJM. That's at SirDrJM. You can tweet at me. You can DM me, whatever you've got, questions, comments, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got as they relate to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, Blizzard, Overwatch League, Overwatch World Cup, uh, video games in general, whatever you've got. Bring it to me there, and I'll bring it to the show. You can, of course, also 
drop a review for this show and I'll read it on air. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, and tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, if you enjoyed what you heard here today, check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast as well, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, also available on podcast services everywhere. Once again, thank you so much for listening to episode 100 of One Man Watchpoint, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks' time for episode 101. Gotcha!